Warning, this 12th installment of Spyrok Interview Podcast's Spawn Marathon will contain adult language, mature situations, aging, debonair spies with a flair for the dramatic, villains hiding in plain sight, overly amorous teenage figure skaters, a dumb car chase involving a Citron and a mountain, and a resolution to On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Listener discretion is advised. Sparkin Motion Picture Review, James Bond, 007, for your eyes only. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Sparkin Motion Picture Review's James Bondathon, or as we've been calling it, the Bond Marathon, or the Bondathon. I'm your host Zan, saying konnichiwa, aloha, bonjour, and what's up? Hey, it's Greta. And I know it's been a couple of weeks since then, but if you heard our earlier episode, we talked about what had happened in our manga review, but to fill you in... What happened is that originally, the 25th film of the Bond series, No Time to Die, was supposed to be released in April. However, due to the wonderfulness that is social distancing, they had to postpone it until November. So, because of that, we decided to stretch out... Hopefully, we'll all be out of doors in November. Hopefully. So, we are now stretching our reviews a little bit. For the rest of the installments, because we have 12 more films to go after this one. And we have a couple of other fillers we're going to have. We're going to do an episode dedicated specifically to henchmen. One that's dedicated to the different gadgets. One to the theme songs itself. And one to the villains. So hopefully with all these stretching out, we're going to release a very good timeline. list. And we'll end our timeline on November 25th with No Time to Die. So anyway, if you want to check out any of our earlier reviews, you can check them out at www.spirakin.com We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and various other social media sites. And we have lots of other podcasts, including our movie review, our game review, our television review, our anime review, our manga review, and our convention guide. But you can check them all out at spirakin.com. And if you want to email me personally, you can email me at zan, that's X-A-N, at spirakin.com. Or you can go to tinyurl.com forward slash help zan, H-E-L-P-X-A-N which goes to our Apple Podcasts review site, and you can leave reviews on the podcast. Tell us what you think about it. Give us a hopefully a high rating. It's like putting a tip in the tip jar. Now that all that little business is out of the way, let's get to the review, shall we? Because this is our 12th installment, our 12th Bond film. We are halfway there. Can you believe it? Hooray! And it has changed, not just in the style, but the visuals. It looks different. It's a little more modern. There's more gadgets. I mean, the last film was Moonraker, so it was like, this is kind of a, let's get away from gadgets to be more simple. I mean, one of the things they do in this film is they blow up his car, and they kind of say, we don't want you to have a lot of gadgets in this this movie. We're going to show Q for one minute, but then there's no gadgets. It's just you kind of on your own. But this film also is kind of the beginning of a interesting decade, because this is 1981, ironically the year I was born, but also... In the 1980s, there's five Bond films. It's the first decade with five Bond films in a row. Even though there's two different Bonds. But five Bond films in a row. And, to top it off, all these films are directed by the same guy. John Glenn. 
So he's directing the next five Bond films, and he holds the record for directing the most Bonds. Now, Guy Hamilton, the last guy who had it, had four Bond movies, but they were all over the place. It was one here, one there. It was Goldfinger, then it was a couple more till he did You Only Live Twice, and it went all over the place. This one, you see a continuous evolution of this guy's directorial debut and his power. However, you also see that these are some of the weaker Bond films. I don't know. Yeah, weaker, but it's kind of nice that there's like a cohesive storyline. Like, it's definitely the same guy's perspective of Bond. And it's connected to the other Bond, because you do see that this is the same Bond. They do make references over and over. And then one thing which is interesting is that certain characters, you see the evolution of them. Even though there is a few, later on, character changes, this is all coherent and it's all one narrative, which I like. But so, anyway, this is directed by John Glenn, produced by Albert Broccoli. Broccoli! And this is based on two stories from the 1960 Ian Fleming short story collection for Your Eyes Only, which actually focuses on the beginning of the film and then kind of the middle of the film. And then the rest are made up. And it's known as For Your Eyes Only. Now, starring this film, we have Janet Brown playing the Prime Minister. Um, They say the Prime Minister, but we all know it's Margaret Thatcher. Yes. Who's in for like one minute. It's kind of funny and messed up how they what they do to her. I like that she's in it, though. Yeah, because it's Margaret Thatcher, the, the freaking hatchet. The, 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 you know, the Iron Maiden of, of Britain. It's a good choice for that. You have Walter Gotell, who's now beginning his role in this a little further. He was in a couple of other Bond films, but they're continuing his role as the Russian general. Who's involved with this. And he's not a bad guy in this. He's not as he was in earlier films. An adversary. But he's not a friend either. He's not quite a good guy. Right. He has interest in this film. And at the end he's just kind of there for a minute. But it's like he's there. But you know he's the presence of Mother Russia at this point. You have uh, John Moreno playing Luigi. A contact in Italy. Which is a nice guy. But unfortunately he kind of gets the short end of of, of the car. You know, like most contacts, he's not going to... Make it. Yeah. You have Jeffrey Keane as Sir Frederick Gray, the guy who was an asshole in the last two Bond movies. He's here briefing 007 with Bill Tanner playing the, the Ministry Chief of Staff. And why is that? Well, unfortunately, this is the first Bond film without Bernard Lee. He passed away the year before, so they couldn't have him in it. Which is a shame, so we do not have M at this point, but... Sir Frederick Gray is going to become M. And you actually see the promotion of, okay, when one M dies, someone in his cabinet is going to become the next M. And unlike in the other ones where M is part of the name, this is one where it says, okay, it's just a random person who becomes M. It's not this guy's name's Montgomery or Maurice or Maven. Yeah. Anyway. Montgomery, Maurice, or Maven. Those are the names you choose. Morty, Mike... Maven's a very... Matt. Well, Maven was... Uh, uh, what's her name? It's M. So. No, I gotcha. Just saying. And this film also has a return of... Well, she's starting to get a little older, but we have Lois Maxwell back as Miss Benny Penny. She's starting to show her age a little bit. But I still... Not just I still love her, she still loves Bond. James, if you will. Yes, and she's starting to, she, it's this one or the next one where she starts training her replacement. Well, anyway, but, so you have her, 
You have Desmond Newellen back as Q, just talking about how James has to return his car. He might be one of my favorite people of all time. You have Michelle Gotard as BB Doll. Uh, actually, wait, no, I have that wrong. Sorry, Michelle Go- Michael Gotard. I thought it was Michelle Gotard. Michael Gotard is playing our hench, who is uh, Emil Loke, who is the glasses guy. He's a henchman who is a hired killer from Belgium. You had Lynn Holly Johnson as BB Doll, who is a 15, 16 year old ice skating prodigy who has a severe crush on James. And she's being financially supported by. Um, uh, her benefactor. Her benefactor is a uh, asset to the to MI6 named Christos or Christastos, and she wants to become. And she was an actual figure skater, and she's terrible at acting. Yes, the acting is not superb overall. Yeah, you have Julian Glover as Aristo, uh, Aristotle Christos. Who is the ally? Who is a former war hero? Now he's a smuggler, and he's maybe good, maybe bad. Well, let's be honest, he is the bad guy. Yeah, he's pretending to be good, and this is the beginning of having a good guy who's actually the bad guy, a traitor. You have Haim Topol, aka Topol. We talked about him a long time ago on the movie review at Flash Gordon, but he is playing Milos Colombio or, or Colombo. Uh, he's a smuggling partner of. Christastos, who he's saying is the actual bad guy, and he's not. And his trademark is that he eats pistachios. <laughs> because he can. No, it's funny, because he uses the he's eating pistachios throughout the movie, and then at one point he throws the pistachios to make someone like, like, what's that noise? <laughs> it's kind of funny. You have Carol Bouquet as Melina Havelock, our Bond girl, who... She auditioned for Holly Molly uh, Holly Goodhead in Moonraker. Was unsuccessful. She got this role, and it's awkward. It's kind of awkward because she's like his daughter's age. Yeah. For some reason, Roger Moore looks old in this movie. Yeah, he looks like. But the next one, he doesn't look this that old. Like, was it too much sun? Did he get a little mini facelift between yes. this one and the next one? We don't know, but it's Roger Moore as James Bond, and he is aging. He looks old. He looks rough. Which, and I get it. You want the Bond women. Because, yes, Bond girls, but they're women. You want them to be voluptuous and beautiful and sexy and, you know, have their own talent, not just be... Bimbos, because there's bimbos in every movie, but like in the background or whatever. Or like Holly Goodhead, who's like, yes. I'm a scientist, I'm an astro... Yeah, no, you're not. You're, no. you're, a, you're a moron. I'm an astrophysicist that doesn't wear a bra. Um, but, but you want the Bond girls to be kind of like everything. But with him looking this old, it just makes the Bond women look so... Like it's funny. 17 and a half, you know, like. Like it's funny where BB, he's like, no, you're too young for me. But then he's flirting with Melina and it's like, if it was She's like. She's not that much older. That's if, like her if, older sister. If it was like he was like her, her uncle, that would be kind of cool. That would have been better. And you get kind of, it's kind of creepy. 
At one point, he does get an old... There's I mean, an, Sean Connery, like, kind of gets away with it a little bit, but that's Sean Connery. Like, Roger Moore... Okay, he just looks old in this movie. And the one girl... Say what you want about plastic surgery, yeah. but whatever he did after this movie was beneficial to his 007 career. Yes, it was. Uh, funny fact, let's bring up Cassandra Harris, the other Bond girl, who is the mistress to Columbo, who she's appropriate for his age, but more importantly... She was married to future Bond actor Pierce Brosnan, and maybe why Albert Broccoli hired him. Could be why. But let's, uh, besides that, let's get to some of the other little things about this movie. Um, this is also the final Bond film to be distributed by United Artists. They got absorbed by MGM. And this is a very simple Bond story. Well... They combined elements from two short stories, For Your Eyes Only and Risico, and the whole premise of this, well, let's get with the beginning. So this movie actually ties up a loose end that's been waiting for a while. The movie opens up where James is in a cemetery, and he's leaving flowers at Tracy's, his, his unfortunately dear departed wife, her tombstone. And if you a, don't remember, she was killed right after they were married. By Blofeld. Yeah. And it's funny because it says her birthday, her birth year, and it says when she died, which is 1963, the release of Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And he's there, and the priest comes out and says, Oh, uh, someone called for you, Mr. Bond. And as a helicopter shows up saying United Exports. This is the beginning of also seeing that he works for United Exports, which is the cover for MI6. So he goes to the helicopter and we see the priest and he does the cross priest himself. Does a, right. The priest does a blessing. Kind of like a... Like an oh shit, crosses himself as he's going in or uh, vials con Dios. And as he gets in the air, the helicopter, it goes up and then suddenly the pilot is killed. And whose voice do you hear? Well, they don't say the mysterious villain's name, but he's wearing a gray suit. He's bald. He's in a wheelchair with a with a, a neck brace, and there's a white cat with him. A very fluffy white cat. And while he's saying horrible puns, he's going to crash the airplane and kill Mister Bond in it. And it's a and it's a very kind of dramatic moment where he's trying to get out, try to take control of the plane before this plane crashes, and he gets killed in it. He ends up uh, disabling the remote control and taking over, catching the villain, who, let's be honest, it's Blofeld. And then Blofeld in his wheelchair trying to get away. And he's like, Mr. Bond, please don't kill me. I'll give you a steel delicatessen. We can talk about this. And he says, please put me down. He's like, oh, you want down. And he drops him into a steam... Uh, it's like a, a silo or a, a it's a chimney. chimney. It's a, yeah. it's a yeah. steam chimney in a factory. So he kills Blofeld in the first two minutes of the movie. As he should. And then it opens up into the opening scene. So we have officially the end of Blofeld. And it's a beginning. And they couldn't use Blofeld's name for legal reasons. But we see him die. And then it goes into the actual gun barrel and we hear the terrible music of the 80s the techno funk it's horrible it's actually commented that this is one of the worst scores in all bond movies but it's also like 
I don't want to say classic 80s, but it this is just so I, I realize it's 1981, but it's so 80s. It's bad. Even in the in the opening, you have like the short kind of fluffy hair with the blue eyeshadow and the hot pink lipstick and the. It is so eighties. It is bad. And then we get into our opening sequence, which is uh, for your eyes only with Sheena Easton. You actually see her in the video. It's bad. It's bad. The song's okay, but it's like. I don't know. It just... Well, we'll get to the song in a bit. So It's still James Bond. It's still 007. It's still a fun standalone movie, but it's not winning any awards. Yes. So, the main story of this is that there is a gathering vessel for the British intelligence that has a new device called the Automatic Targeting Attack Communicator, the ATAC. And it's used by Mystery Defense to communicate and coordinate the Royal Navy's fleet of submarines and while they're there doing their work the ship gets sunk and they don't know what happened to it so and it's really quite elaborate it's you know the guy the changing of the shift and then you handcuff yourself to the desk and like it's definitely secure so the fact that it goes down and sinks is is massive pretty bad because apparently they said that it was accidental they, they troweled an old naval mine which went off and it sunk the ship and they're in the Ion and Sea. So Bond is assigned by the Minister of Defense and the Chief of Staff to retrieve this before the Soviets get it because they could use the they could break into the uh, ATAC and use it to mess with the submarines. And they could have them launch in specific sequences. So essentially it's a race against time to get this device before their enemies get it. Right. And like we said, uh, General Gogol found out about this, and he's been talking to his contacts in Greece, so he's trying to find it now. And everyone's still friendly. Everyone's However, still friendly, but uh, one of the people who's involved is a marine biologist who his daughter's coming to visit him. Things are going to be well, and immediately the pilot of the airplane that took them to meet kills everybody except for the daughter. So they get killed. And now, because of that, when Bond gets there, he finds that the daughter's the only survivor. And she's one of the most beautiful women, I think. She is. It's just, it's really awkward to see the age difference. Mm -hmm. But they're going to find out who hired the pilot to kill her family. And he promises them that he'll find out what's going on and we'll see where it goes. So he ends up going to Spain, finding the guy who theoretically hired this guy, gets captured, which is very different. And then the... Not very Bond. And then the guy who he's going to talk to, the, the hitman, gets killed by a bow and arrow. And the assassin, turns out, is Melina, who followed him. And her thing is she has a, she's good with a crossbow, so she's going to use a crossbow to kill everybody who caused the problem. And so they escape, and actually this is where one of the biggest things happens. I said earlier that there's not a lot of gadgets in this. The one gadget is you see... His uh, his specific car. What is that car called? The but you see the car he's used. The one that turns into submarine. The spirit. The lotus. The 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 spirit. You see this the esprit. You see the esprit there, and you see guys walking in, and they, one of the guys actually says, "It says do not break glass. Security system." And the guy goes to break the glass to get into the car. The car blows up. So all the gadgets, all the fancy stuff, have been destroyed. It's like, dude, it said. Don't break the glass. 
He breaks the glass. They end up in a really bad car chase involving a, a Citroen, and it's just like a friend of an old. You don't know what a Citroen is? That's fine. It's like um, a, a v- VW Bug, but shittier. Yeah, it's it's really just a ridiculous chase in in Spain and a, a like the worst uh, car I think a Bond ever drives. And uh, acquaintance of mine loved it because he said this is a funny scene because he makes this really dumb, this really funny quip, and it's like it's kind of annoying. I mean, it's kind of it's just kind of a dumb like oh we're we're I love a, a jaunt in the country, and it's just kind of dumb. It's like a lame pun. And there's people around um, collecting olives from trees, so they've laid out their nets and they're hitting the trees, and then they. It's a windy road. And, and at it, one point, the car flips over, but they flip it back up, and then they're able to get away, and it's just a very dumb chase sequence. It's like if I were to have designed a car chase sequence, this is what would have happened. This is why I don't design car chase sequences. This is years before any of the Fast and Fur- Furious movies. It's bad. So from here, it goes into MI6, and we see Q, and Q uses the latest in computer technology, which is like a giant, gigantic computer to show a identification system to show who the potential person is. And it's just like, if you remember in the 1980s, the software that they had to design face facial recognition, it's kind of what you use. So it's like the eyes have to be closer together and they're like, it's really cartoonish and looks nothing like the person. But magically, they come up with him. They figure out who this guy is. He's a former enforcer for the the British underworld. And then his potential location is in Italy. So they end up going to Italy and meeting um, his contact, Luigi and Aristos Christastos, who is a Greek businessman and a former partner. So he's a former war hero. He's the bad guy. And he's also the benefactor for... Uh, figure skater BB Doll, who is really into Bond. So she's twelve. Okay, she's not actually twelve. That's the year that I chose when anyone's really young. So she's twelve for all intents and purposes. And if you're thinking, wait a second, there was a beautiful girl, and her parents were killed on a boat, and there's a sunken computer, and what does this have to do with a child figure star? Yeah, you're right. It's bizarre. This is the beginning it's of seeing extra. it's two different stories. Because the first story, the death of a Havelock and the revenge, that's all one story. That's where the one story went. The second part involving the computer is another part. So it's two different It's bizarre. Sections. It's bizarre. So... Long story short, besides the fact that uh, what's-her-name is thirsty for Bond, and they hire a bunch of people to try to kill Bond, turns out that they're going to find out, they're going to, he has to find out what's going on and discover what happens. Now, first off, there's a whole fight sequence involving a biathlon, and this one East German uh, biathlete, Eric Kluger, who is a... Who the thirsty girl also has a thing for. Yes, he cannot choose, and he tries to chase him in a very well part of it's actually kind of cool because he is it's a, bi, a biathlete and in a biathlon you have a rifle so he has a rifle he does have to hide his rifle he ends up shooting bond's gun out of his hand part of it is bond doesn't have a weapon for half of it but then it, it's also bond is on skis again 
And it's been done better. Chase sequences. It's been done a lot. It's been done better. But it's also, James, stop skiing. It never ends well for you. It does not end well at all. It does get a little snowboardy, just a little bit at one point, where he's riding with one ski, and immediately I just picture um, Better Off Dead with the, he's skiing with one ski. <laughs> it's like, it's just, yeah. Anyway, so his friend gets killed. He goes to Corfu. In pursuit of the guy we think's killed his friend. And mm-hmm. then he ends up meeting... Uh, Wait, is it Corfu? Yes, it's Corfu. He ends up meeting Columbo, the guy who they say is the murderer. Turns out that he's not the murderer. And that Loke was hired by Christostos, who's working with the KBG to retrieve the ATAC. And it's now a fight sequence between them where you get like five different fights. The first one is inside an opium warehouse. It's actually pretty a pretty good set sequence. Like I said... It shows that this guy Columbo um, Topol is a very good. He's a military man, and yes, he's a smuggler. But his the guys he works with all are loyal to him, and he rewards loyalty. Mm-hmm. And they actually bring up tra- a common theme amongst villains and Bond movies. Yes, and he knows of Bond, and I think personally, with the beginning, they bring up Tracy. It was a missed opportunity for them to say. Maybe Columbo had met Bond or knew about Bond because of his former father-in-law, who was mm-hmm. a criminal for uh, Spain. Yep. It would have been a nice little touch. But they don't do that. So they f- they discover that uh, the warehouse also has naval mines, similar to one that sank the, the information ship. And then, actually, with one of the better deaths, after a lot of fighting, he discovers the henchman, Loke. And then, as opposed to killing him or shooting him because his car is kind of teetering on the edge of a cliff, Bond just pushes it off of the cliff with the car, and he just gets killed in the car. Very easy. So, then it gets... uh, Very Bond taking advantage of the moment. Yes. And from here, we go back to Melina. Bond and Melina end up going back to the location that she is, because she's a marine biologist. Yeah, go figure. Yes. Go figure, but she has a whole team of marine biologists, and they have their own little submarine, and they're actually going to go scal- salvage the wreckage of the St. George to get the ATAC. And since he is a British Secret Service agent, he has all the codes needed to disarm the bombs that are connected to the device. Now, she's just so happens to be in the um, habit of going down to the site underwater and leaving her air tank there. Because it's heavy, right? As one does. And then swims freely back up to the surface. And that comes in key later. Yep, Chekhov's uh, helium tank. Or not helium, air tank. So they use their submarine, end up taking out, getting the device, since they're getting the device. A mysterious figure in another scuba suit shows up, and he's going to steal the ATAC, and becomes a very weird fight. Leading to another fight involving two submarines and grappling arms, which is just awkward. All the underwater scenes that have happened so far in James Bond in the 007 movies have been good in concept. You could see it being really cool, but kind of falls flat on screen. This was kind is, of dumb. It, this is on par. And fun little... Th- like, let's put him in submarines, but we'll give them arms. And this is very similar to another movie called Inner Space, 
where at the end of the movie there's a fight sequence between a kind of bathysphere device and a small ship involving a drill into the into the glass. However, they kind of save the day, they beat the guy, and they go back to their ship, and obviously who's waiting there? Christosos is waiting there. So, And he is going to kill them in a very, uh, well, very uh, screwed up method of dragging them across a coral wreath in shark-infested waters. So they ramp, so they've tied them together with very thick rope. And on an anchor or something. And then they rev up this speedboat. And so they're pulled behind the boat on this long line. And they pull them over the shallow coral reef. So thus scraping their skin on the coral, breaking it off. um, Thus bloodying the water. So chumming the water and trying to lure... Sharks. Sharks. Because there's lots of sharks. And unfortunately, the sharks don't go for it, which is the complete bullshit part, in my opinion, because they're bleeding, and it's like there's not going for Well, there's different types of sharks. There's, like, reef sharks are in packs. They can be dangerous, but they're not feeding off of anything being ripped apart slowly. Like, this is... It's more plausible that it happened this way. It was a bad idea to try to kill them by shark attack. Like, sincerely, the sharks that are going after them aren't... Great whites are not... It would be more applicable if it was like a tiger shark or something like that. And compared to some of the other sharks we've seen in the Bond series, these ones seem kind of tame. It yeah, w- because they're not like trained to be fed there. These are open water sharks that are feeding on other things that they don't have to work hard to go get. Yes, are they drawn to the blood and the weird electrical currents of something that might not be swimming well? Yes. But is that their natural prayer? Are they going after it? No. no. Like, this is totally plausible. Like, the bad guys were idiots. So they get out of it using uh, Bond magic. And then when they get back... Well, because she had left her... Her tank, tank, yes. So when they finally break enough coral to loosen the the rope and detach themselves, they can go down and breathe underwater and they think that they're drowned and the sharks have gotten them. So as they leave, they end up going back to the ship, which was their, her father's ship, and then due to a super stupid MacGuffin involving a parrot, they're able to find out where the final rendezvous point for Christasos is. And this ends in a m- mountain fight at an ab- abandoned monastery in St. Krill, or Cyril. As it usually does. And it's it's him, Melina, um, Col- Columbo and his entourage all fighting the people who are involved in this this monastery. And also to top it off, BB is in the monastery not because she's a Bond bad girl, it's because he's like, oh you'll train with me. He's like... He's the benefactor. She's a liability at this point. Why the hell are you... Yeah, it's just like, there's no reason she should be there. Even if he's... Even if uh, Christasos is thirsty for her he shouldn't be have her there at this point but he's not even he's more of like the uncle yeah it's it's just it's a weird moment it really is and but they end up getting into they end up breaking into the monastery with james climbing up and actually a kind of good climbing moment please note the converse that he wears and the shoelaces that he uses. Yeah, he's using Converse. And shoe like, and now that we live in Massachusetts, home of Converse, Converse. it's kind of like ah, he had Converse. 
Yeah, it is. It's kind of it's a nice little Easter egg. But from there, he ends up getting in a fight with um, Kriegler, the the buyer athlete, and beats him up in a plummeted death, which was okay, not great. Uh, they end up getting the device back, beating the bad guy, and then instead of Bond killing Christasos or Melina killing Christasos, Columbo ends up killing him with a thrown knife to the back. Yep. And then, ironically, BB ends up starting to flirt with Chris. Uh, Columbo, so they're going to have their thing. And then at the end of it, Bond and Melina hook up, and then when Margaret Thatcher calls to congratulate him, he puts the phone on with the parrot, and the parrot says, give me a kiss, give me a kiss, and Margaret Thatcher's like, oh, you. Cheeky. Yeah. And that is the end of uh, For Your Eyes Only, which, let's be honest not the best bond movie not by a long shot there are it's and i like roger Moore. and this what was the bond girl's name with the long brown hair uh carol bouquet i think she is beautiful they don't like plump her up with a ton of makeup or a lot of fancy outfits and things like that um but she's just i think that she's strikingly beautiful She's a very beautiful Bond girl. It's just she doesn't match Bond. and No, not at all. It's one that's just... But she's beautiful. Yeah. Now, that being said, this one is a train wreck. Yeah. It's a train wreck. And, and it's just dis- completely disjointed. And after following Moonraker, you would think it would go up. It's not. This is currently our lowest rated Bond film. It's bad. It's just Roger Moore is not like he seems tired in this. He mm-hmm. like he commented he felt really weird doing this movie because he's old enough to be Carol Bouquet's father, and he looked weird doing the movie. Like the stunts were bad were bad with him. There's a lot of blue screen or green screen at this point, which are rough. Which, and the one like he's skiing and he goes into a bobsled tube. And the green screen is so bad, there's obviously somebody standing there with a bucket that throws snow in his face. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's rough. Now, snow flies faster in a snowball fight than it did during that ski chase. And speaking of which, let's talk about our villain himself. Christasos is not a good villain. Yes, it's kind of cool to see him do the, I'm a good guy, no, I'm really a bad guy, but... The reveal's really early on, so there's no real suspense with that, and he's just... There. He's not threatening, he's just kind of like, I'm going to help out the KGB, and um, my reasons are because reasons. And he was supposed... And Julian Glover was supposed to be a possible bond for Live and Let Die, and more beat him to it. And I'd actually be afraid of seeing a universe where Julian Glover was James Bond because he was not, you know, he just this was not the right role for him. It's not. But that being said, with his two henchmen, let's he had two henchmen. Krieger was kind of just a, a useless muscle-bound goon. However, let's talk about Loke. Loke was actually a competent, intelligent, and Ingen- yeah, he was a good... Good hench. I would hire him to be a henchman. He was like the more modern Red Grant. Yes. 
which is a good choice. If you don't remember, Red Grant was in uh, From Russia With Love. He was the spy that was protecting James until the end where he was going to kill James. And he got caught because of a kind of... Not because of a faux pas is how he got caught. This guy... He drank the wrong wine with his fish. Yes. That's how he got Old caught. Old chap. Loke, on the other hand, is just a thorn in his side. He kills several of Bond's friends, and then, but he gets his just desserts. He gets killed in the car. Just think it was done a little better with that. Now... But still ranks really kind of lower. He's, he's lower, but he's, he's on par with... Had a cool Red title, Grant. too, like for Your Eyes Only, Top Secret. And this was one where it's got two great stories in it. I mean, the first story for Your Eyes Only, which is this one, it's based on the two stories. The first one is that he's uh, trying to locate, uh, he's trying to discover the murder of the Havelocks. And he's trying to figure out what happened. And it turns out that the daughter is going to have revenge. And he's trying to stop the murder, which is kind of cool. But then the other story is about he's investigating a drug smuggling operation that's sending narcotics to England. And it turns out the bad guy isn't the bad guy, that the informant's is the bad guy. And then it ends up where it's the warehouses where the movie ends. So the entire third sequence, the whole act of, oh, they're fighting in the in the in the boat and they're fighting on the monastery that was all made up yeah it's like there were so there were a bunch of locations yeah it's cool to see the locations but there were too many set pieces yeah and that's going to become a common theme we're going to talk in the next five movies i think is that the set pieces there's too many of them it's like okay first they're here it's cool that he's globe trotting it's really cool very very cool but it just doesn't fit the story isn't. The storyline isn't there enough. It's just it's, it's pick us pick one of the stories and you could flesh it out. Or say that there's a different cell or the the money is in the monastery or yeah, and it you know would... like have have there be a story plot that he's following and a reason why he's going there. Don't just like be the villain then all of a sudden say you know what i'm gonna take my whole entourage we're gonna go up to the monastery in the alps and sit here where it's safe like yeah, he, it's just he goes all over the place and it's like if he has one established From headquarters it makes sense beautiful ocean to frozen mountain range it's just bizarre it's i get you going from one to the other and it could work it just this film didn't work it really did not work and out of the films, it just... It landed very low for us. Still, it's still James Bond. It's still 007. It's still better than a lot of movies out in 1981. But in the grand scheme, in the Bondathon, low. This is very low, and it just, it's so bad. It's so bad. It really is. It really just... From the age differences, the the wardrobe choices on what to put Bond in as a skier. I don't know if that was just because oh, that's the only thing talk, that came in We didn't the talk about size. the fact that he is wearing dad clothes. Oh, the whole time. And it's not like, oh, he looks okay. And it's not it's... 1981 fashion. It's like legit dad clothes. Yeah, and it's 
really long. It's boring between the stunts. There's no... I think I got up in the middle of it to make popcorn. Yeah, it's... Like, some people say it's it's got a great balance of humor and beautiful girls. It does not. It's... It's... It just didn't work with a lot of it. It was a bad I think there was two really beautiful women, you know, Pierce Brosnan's wife and our main Bond woman, but, like, the teeny bopper ice skater, figure skater threw me. Yeah, and it's just, I mean, there's arguments with, like, is Melina one of the best Bond girls or one of the worst Bond girls? And, um... Well, there's some pretty bad Bond girls. Yeah, she's not in the top ten. There's no way. Uh, we do agree that BB is one of the worst Bond mm-hmm. girls. And but there were like it's there were ideas that would have worked. Mm-hmm. The opening set piece of him finishing off him was great. Some of the interactions were well done. It's just the overarching plot is bad. Like, this isn't worth, like, this is have on the background while surfing the internet for something else or for Bond facts. Which I would never thought I'd have to say for a Bond movie, but this is a bad Bond movie. Have in the background while you're cooking. Yeah, have it on the background while you're doing something else. That's our rating for this. It's just... Yep. You can't, and for Roger Moore, it's like, this is the beginning of the end for him. Yeah. And I like him in the next one. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I like him in the next one. And he originally was only signed for three a three-film contract. And he was supposed to be done with The Spy Who Loved Me, but they wanted to keep him going. And, you know, Timothy Dalton was, was considered, but they said, we'll bring him back. And... Yeah. Weird. It was just weird. Weird. It was... It was just rough. And... Well, going back to this, the title song, For Your Eyes Only, it's very divisive. The score is terrible in this movie. But the For Your Eyes Only, it's a okay song. Shane Easton does a pretty good song with it. and For me, it didn't really tie back to the movie. No, it didn't. It does like the sh- whole Diamonds Are Forever, there weren't a lot of diamonds in it. But for your eyes only, it's kind of... It's not uh, a lot of things that only he could see. Yeah. But because she's not really, like, super, ooh, into him. And no. Just comes off terrible. Yeah. So, with that in mind, like I said... Have it on in the background. If you're a completionist, you have to see it. If you skip this Bond movie, you're okay. Yeah, we're we're getting into bad Bond movie territory. Yeah. And when I say Moonraker is better than this, you know there's a problem at this point. Yeah. Moonraker is pretty bad. We said we hate it. Like, Drax, like, this guy's worse than Drax by a long shot because Drax was actually kind of... This guy's worse than Rosa Klebb as a villain. Like, Rosa Klebb... Who knew that we'd start being like, Rosa Klebb wasn't that bad? We, yes. We, she was just a smirsh, a smirsh, uh... Reject who wanted to join Spectre. It's uh, just. Strict. I feel like Rosa Club's in the background going, haha, see, I'm not that bad. Yes. However, it is what it is. 
If you disagree with us, you can email us at spyarkin at gmail.com or zanspyarkin.com. Uh, there were no gadgets in this movie, so we can't really go over the gadgets, but let's go over some of the other things. So our next movie is actually one which a lot of people make fun of and talk about, which is Octopussy. And that's the one which involves... It's my little octopusy. Really bad fake tattoos. Fake tattoos. You have spies dressed up as circus clowns. You have Fabergé eggs. And you also have um, actually a pretty decent villain who just... It gets crazy. And this one also begins more of the usage of... The next one focuses more on the usage of East Germany versus West Germany. It's no longer just... We're in Morocco and we have the Russians. It's no, this is more like... We're smuggling people out of Germany. Yeah, we're, we're going from... in the difference between East Germany, West Germany, and Russia, it's more of not a Cold War. Because mm-hmm. it's no longer the... We're buddies. It's now... Yeah, like, Gogol is cool. But everybody else is like... It's razor's edge, like, one drop will... In, Everyone's heightened. Like, Moonraker had a little bit of that, and a couple others had that whole, like, oh, Russia's, like, a ticking time bomb, but this is but more... But the tension starts to build. Yeah, this is more near that end of, before the the wall falls. Which, actually, I think the, no, the wall fell in, when did the Berlin Wall fall? Hold on one second. Berlin Wall falls 1989, so during the year of the last Bond film, so... But yeah, so this is when East and West Germany still were a thing, and well, we'll talk about more about that next time. Which will be in a couple of weeks, not months, because we have 12 movies left and uh, 6 months left. No, 7 months until then, so we're, we're going to figure out how to do this in a good way to have it released. Yep. And I'm um, forgetting something. Oh, I'm Zan. I'm Greta. We're gone, so we'll catch you guys next time. Check out our other podcast including the spark and manga review where we talk about um tunny come in and we also have a cool podcast coming out with friend of the podcast doug wilder of animecons.tv where we're going to be talking about some retro anime and also we may be doing an anime review of an old school anime about girls living in a house together Woo-hoo. yes we'll get that in a bit. so we're gonesville catch you guys next time bye see ya
your eyes only. It's Roger Moore as Ian Fleming's James Bond 007. She was equipped with ATAC. Have we begun a salvage operation? We asked Sir Timothy Havelock to secretly locate the wreck. He and his wife were killed by Hector Gonzalez. Police were able to identify Gonzalez by Melina, Sir Havelock's daughter. Explosive. Exclusive. Trust you, Alcott. For your amazement, this bond is for you. Oh, by the way, we haven't been properly introduced, Molina. My name is Bond. James Bond. Mr. Bond, you have shot your last bolt. We're not dead yet. is for your eyes only. No one comes close to 007. When 007 comes close to you, picture, Mr. Bond. But the end cannot be far away.
Put me down! Put me down! Oh, you want to get off? 